Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, it is Tuesday, April 2nd. You are listening to The Cheats Movement on WRIR. So glad that you are here with us. Gigi Broadway is here. Gigi, how you feel? Feeling good, man. Feeling good. I'm 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 feeling good, but I'm a little down. I'm a little down too. We've got a lot to get to this episode. So much going on. We have a exclusive interview. I'm really happy that we got this. We had a sit down earlier today. I got to sit down and go one-on-one with Mayor LeVar Stoney. I was able to ask him just about every question that was asked of me to ask him. Nice. So that is why it's so important for everyone to email the show, Facebook message me, Facebook comment, uh, what else? Twi- tweet, tweet me. Yep. Do all of this stuff because I asked, what should we ask our elected leaders? I got a ton of feedback to ask Mayor LeVar Stoney. He answered a lot of those questions, the ones he could answer, and we had a really good conversation about that. So I'm excited that's coming up in the second half of the show. But as you alluded to, we are a little down today. I think we're down all over the hip-hop community, if you will. Uh, we lost a really, really... I would say an important figure in hip-hop culture just unexpectedly yesterday, well, Sunday afternoon. So Sunday afternoon, the word came out that Nipsey Hussle, Los Angeles MC, Grammy-nominated, was shot. It took about an hour after the reports that he was shot outside of his own store, Marathon Clothing, that he owns in, I believe, the Hot Park neighborhood of Los Angeles. It took about an hour, and then it was reported that he was actually uh, killed. He was fatally killed. And since then, I think the whole hip-hop community has really been just in a state of shock and disbelief. Gigi, weigh in on this. Uh, we don't have much information. What do you know? What do you think? What reflect for all of us listening about Nipsey Hussle? Man, he, he was just a, a great guy. And not only was, you know, he Grammy nominated and his music was solid, but he did so much for the community. You know, he gave back not only time, but money. He taught, you know, people coding. He gave and generated jobs. He, I mean, it was he was just a stand-up guy and he put back in the, to the community, you know, as much as someone you know of that caliber should and it's just he would just stand up and not only that but and here's where the plot thickens for some are we gonna get into this now or are we gonna get to it after the break but go ahead well you know he was working on a documentary um about dr sabi and it's just a coincidence or is it that you know as soon as that started to come about and transpire something like this happens so it's it's kind of raised a red flag in the conscious community as to what possibly could be the real reason of this heinous tragedy well we're going to get back into this um right after the break usually for the last two months now we started the show in february we started it with black history month songs and March, we started it with Women History Songs. We're going to change that just a little bit this month. We are going to start the show with the one and only God Bless the Dead. This is Nipsey Hussle, and then we're going to come back and we're going to get into a little bit more of what Gigi was talking about. Cheats Movement on WRIR. Let's start the show.
gifted I'm the type that's gon' go get it No kidding Breaking down a switch in front of your building Sitting on the steps feeling no feelings Last night it was a cold killer You gotta keep the devil in his hole But you know how it goes I'm front line every time it's sold Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, it is Tuesday, April 2nd. This is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. We have a jam-packed episode for you today. Mayor LeVar Stoney will be on the show. We're excited to have him. He's talking about all things in related to the budget, city governance, uh, city council, education compact. We got a lot of great questions from you, the listener, and we asked him as many of those as humanly possible and I'll tell you, he didn't back down, man. It was a great conversation, so that's coming up. But Gigi Broadway is here. I'm here. We were just talking before the break, and we played some victory lap intro music uh, in honor of Nipsey Hussle. Want to talk a little bit more. You had alluded before the break that Nipsey was in the process of making a documentary that got all the conspiracy theorists folks like yourself <laughs> up in arms. I will tell you this. Uh, the first recollection of me hearing about Nipsey Hussle was actually not about music. It was about his entrepreneurial. He was doing things with Karen Civil. Mm-hmm. He was doing things on the media end. He was kind of distrib- he had a unique way I think of um, distroing his music. Right. But he, he was always known as a business savvy guy. Like he was doing things with technology and business. And then Victory Lap, for me, I wasn't really into mixtape Nipsey as much as that business I heard about that business spirit and then I heard Victory Lap which was technically believe it or not he had been around I know he'd been in the game for years but Victory Lap was considered his debut album for Atlantic that got Grammy nominated people have been waiting probably for over a decade for a kind of a Nipsey studio album but we'd heard about I'd heard so much about his entrepreneurial stuff and that also I'm sure leads into you know keeping wealth in the community that all of that stuff leads into what you're about to talk about. Talk a little bit more about what you what what you know of kind of the 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 documentary he was making and some of the principles he was talking about economic empowerment. I mean, well, I don't want to say too much, <laughs> right? Because we don't know who's listening. <laughs> exactly, we don't know who's listening, and we don't know who's capable of Crazy. what. Crazy. But I mean, it's just it's just sad, man. Because I mean, it's like as soon as you have someone that kind of you know is big on empowerment and not only just spending but investing not only just you know i mean he was just big on giving back he was big on education and he was big on you know generating your own wealth and not only that but he was very outspoken in regards to you know some of his beliefs that every you know everyone has their own opinion but you know like he's like prodigy um killer mike pimp c it's like when you start to kind of verbalize you know certain beliefs things start happening and it's just really weird and it's just very strange it's just got a lot of people talking let me ask this of you because you hear I feel like a lot of hip hop artists face a double edged sword. And I feel like the double edged sword that they face is one of what do they do when they actually start to prosper, start to get dough, 
Uh, do they move out of their community, right? Do they say, oh, I made it and I'm no longer in whatever projects I grew up in or whatever? Mm-hmm. Or do you stay in that community, you know, and invest in that community and make that community a better place? So the first thing you hear when someone like Chinks gets shot is what you do in three in the morning back in that old neighborhood. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, but on the other end, if you're Jay-Z, everybody's looking at Hove like you are super rich and Marcy Projects is still there and it's still bad. Exactly. So Nipsey obviously was in his community where he grew up uh, investing businesses in it. He got shot outside of his own clothing store. Right. That's in you know his you know where he very close to where he grew up and became a a, a very famous MC even in keeping obviously let's just keep it 100 he kept a lot of his ties to the streets where he grew up right so what do MCs do what should they do in regards to do they get bread and move out of the community do they get bread and reinvest in the community cuz i feel like they can't win it's a huge debate and it really depends on who you ask you know if you ask me i think you can't uplift and better a community if you're not in it investing and doing what it takes to kind of get it elevated you know what i mean so but then you have you know the dangers of being in your same community and the danger and the harm that may come it's 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 tough man it's tough because you never know what old beefs anyone has right and we don't know and we know what this is a drive-by we know that right it was like a drive-by shooting for outside of the store right right so we don't know if this is something that's new coming with all the new and you know some of the stuff that he was talking about that you were mentioning earlier or is this something that could have this could have been just jealousy from the old community you know what i mean some people that made a business deal gone bad or something so we we just don't know but i think that always is something in the back of mc's heads especially ones that have a lot of ties to this to the streets and in an old way of life that they grew up in is like do i bounce do i move i mean la has you know a lot of different opportunities they have beverly hills and they have crenshaw right so it's like how do you make that work I, i think it's just tough man and and obviously god bless the dead he had a family, you know what I mean, had kids as well. And, and and I think a lot of this stuff gets lost in perspective that, you know, there's a bright, budding star that had a lot of knowledge itself and a lot of, um, you know, commentary on how to how to really bring lower-income communities back up. And he, he's gone at 33 years old. Right. So that's pretty sad for us. <laughs> Depressing, and it's it sad. Is. And the other thing I do want to mention is that... Uh, you know somebody wrote on twitter the other day and it was like man i've never heard anyone even speak ill of nipsey like that at all right so he kind of was beloved from people in in the industry people that might have been like high higher tier mcs to the street mc like even different gangs you know right he worked with yg he worked with a lot so he he was kind of affiliated with the crips gang in los angeles he had worked with kendrick lamar who and yg who are both you know, known for a blood affiliation, just exactly. from where they grew up, it, and it was not like they chose, you know, these types of things. It's right. kind of where the community they grew up in, and so, uh, you know, definitely thinking of him and his family, and obviously left a legacy, uh, and in musically, not just the mixtapes. I mean, again, Victory Lap is an amazing, amazing. piece of work. So make sure if you are not familiar with Nipsey Hussle, 
Make sure you please check that out. And God bless his family. We'll be right back after this. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Wanna slice, got to roll the dice. That's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life. Look, all my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Wanna slice, got to roll the dice. That's why, all my life. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to The Cheats Movement on WRIR. It is Tuesday, and our featured interview, as always, is brought to you by Work and Friends, one of the best co-working spots in all of Richmond. Make sure you check out Work and Friends. I am joined, you know, this happens from time to time. We're very excited to have him on. I know the listeners are very excited to have him on in this setting, in this conversation. So we are joined by someone I do consider a friend, but he also happens to be the mayor of Richmond, LeVar Stoney. LeVar, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, Cheats? What's going on, man? So I'm going to start because I have a bone to pick with you already. (laughs) Let's start with the first bone I have to pick with you, which is I looked at your NCAA tournament brackets. Oh, here we go. Just before this interview started. Here we go. And you are the mayor of what city? I'm the mayor of the great city of Richmond. However, there's a Richmond team that was in the NCAA tournament that you did not pick as the national champion. All I know is that Politics 101 says you failed. <laughs> right? So you've already picked, you picked Duke. Did you pick Duke to beat VCU? And then it was already downhill from there. All downhill from there. Bone to pick with you. Well, you know why. No, I don't know why. Why would you pick against I think I put it on the bracket. Zion, Zion, Zion. The best player in the United States of America. That and he, he happened to play for Duke. That he may be. However, I'm still disappointed. And as a VCU alum, alumnus, I will I will say <laughs> VCU, got all, VCU got robbed. For all my VCU friends out there, right. you all know I love uh, the, the black and yellow. I, 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 it's black and gold. Let's get it right. <laughs> Let's get it right. I, I love the black and gold, and I want y'all to know that I will not ever pick against you again. Here's, here's something I just learned. But UCF was tough. They're a very tough team. But we should have beat them. I know that. Here's a here's a, here's a bit of, before we get into all of the, the, the listener questions and the questions that I have, I ran into a bit of trivia of all of the D1 schools that play college basketball in the state of Virginia. There's only one school that has never made a bid to the NCAA tournament. Can you name that school? The College of Women Mary. Ah, very good. Come on. Very good. I did not know that. I, I know my out, basketball. I had to shout out my friends over uh, at Somewhat. the- at the youth board at the WCVE, we did a trivia night, and that was that's, that was one of the questions. Crazy? I did not know that, but yeah, that's wild. So, all right, let's get into it because uh, I know there's a lot of people that want to ask you a lot of things. They sent me a ton of questions, and I'm really excited to always get that feedback. So, anybody that's listening, keep it going. I do want to start with this because one of the things that I believe you said, you can tell me if this is quoted incorrectly, but it has been reported that you said during your town halls on, on several occasions that one of your top priorities was getting Richmond's financial house in order. Mm-hmm. You have said that you have gotten or on the way to getting Richmond's financial house in order. That's correct. However, there was a audit report that came out last week, I believe, from the city, audit, city, audit, city auditor, excuse me, that kind of says a is it an opposite picture or an incomplete picture? It is. It is something that gives us great concern in regards to capital improvement budget for for schools and the things that the school board is listening to just talk to me let's start with that and then we'll go into the budget but where are we with the city and the quote-unquote financial house getting in order 
when I came in, we had an issue, a symptomatic issue, being unable to actually submit our CAFR, the Comprehensive Audit and Financial Report, in on time, right? The CAFR is essentially your receipts for the year. And we were not submitting those on time uh, in the previous administration for, for a few years. We come in, not only have we submitted on time, but we've also submitted them early, all right? That is just symptomatic, though, of the issues that we were having in the finance department. That was a lack of qualified hands to do the work of accounting for the city's finances. So it was also my administration that uncovered this issue with the capital accounts, the CIP. So we, alongside the RPS administration, got together for months and reconciled those accounts. Because we, we were the ones who spotted some incorrect figures, some errors from the previous years, going back to 2014, all the way through. It was us. And then after we highlighted for, our, for the city council that we are reconciling these accounts, we pointed out, we looked underneath the stones, we saw this issue right here. Then the city auditor came in, so we proactively did it before the city auditor even got involved. So if that's the case, why did it seem last week that there was kind of a collective shock among city council, among school board, that we may be doing our collective accounting inaccurately? And obviously, like I said, we're gonna move on to the budget immediately after this, but it seems as low hanging fruit for someone on city council or something like that yeah. to say, you know, well, this kind of puts the whole budget in peril. Yeah, I think uh, there are some on city council who would rather dwell on the mistakes, whether they were in the previous administration or not, than actually take the courageous uh, uh, stance on making the tough choices that we have to make as a city to keep us competitive. There are people who would rather distract from what they have to do today and focus on yesterday uh, in terms of we have a budget that makes bold investments in public education and in, in fixing streets in the city of Richmond. However, we would rather distract and deflect by looking at mistakes that started were being made in 2014 and 2015. And we were the ones who pointed out these mistakes. Uh, this administration were the ones who pointed out this mistake. I, I, so I understand what you're saying, and I don't want to push. Uh, I, even if I accept that. Oh, you're free to push. No, no, no. Well, <laughs> even if I accept that, the idea that we're building tomorrow off a foundation that is inaccurate. Well, it's does, accurate now. Okay, we that's, that's what I'm trying oh, to yeah, understand. Yeah. So. It's accurate now. We fix it. What I mean, you did not talk about RPS as well, the RPS school construction dollars as well, right? Mm -hmm. In 2017, the school board uh, approved a plan of estimates. Keyword there, estimates. It was this administration uh, teamed up with the new RPS administration led by Jason Cameras that said, we think these estimates are probably going to be wrong. Because remember, we only have a finite $150 million due to the mills tax increase. Okay. And so we want to make sure we get the most for our buck. And we're the ones who said, we probably need to bring in a third party analysis uh, to, to take a look at these numbers because we don't think these estimates are correct. When brought to the school board and they found out it was going to be more than $100,000, they decided not to move forward. Now, it's interesting to me that those same school board members who said that they didn't want to do the third party analysis are now the ones dumping on the numbers. Mm. Right? Is something wrong with that? So how confident are we? So how confident are we now 
that the accounting is on, on the same page mm-hmm. and the accounting is on its way. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want you to sit here and say, "Oh, it's 100 percent accurate," and then we found out tomorrow that it's not. But how confident are we today that the school board, city council, your office, all the administration is looking at the same numbers to build the budget for the? Future? I'm confident we're looking at the same numbers now because of the reconciliation the RPS finance team and the city's finance team undertook last year. So that brings me to another question and. It sounds as if, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but if the education compact philosophy, right, was working correctly, wouldn't we be able to catch some of these inconsistencies faster? Well, that was a product of the education compact. That reconciliation was a product of the uh, education compact. So do we consider at this point, with the education compact, the communication between the school board City Council, the administration, when I say the administration in this context, I talk about you and cameras. Do we consider that a success, a failure on its way too early to be determined? I think uh, the latter, too early to be determined, uh, because the Education Compact's purpose was for the 19 elected officials to begin having to have these conversations out in the open. Remember, uh, I committed to doing these sort of meetings on a quarterly basis, and I've done that since being, being mayor. That was an absent factor in the previous administration. And that's why I ran for mayor, because I wanted us to be the guy who was the convener to bring these voices to the table. Now, there are some members of the city council who don't even attend education compact. So, that's, so the, the word on the word that I hear is that the school board is very good to attend. Yes. You attend. Yes. And some of the city council members don't attend. Is that fair? That's fair. That's correct. What, what, what do you do in that case? You know what? You do what you can. At the end of the day, this is about us working together, uh, focus on uh, the whole child and everything we can do to to surround our children uh, with the services necessary so they can be uh, positive uh, and positive contributors to our community. But I can't hold Reva Tramble's hand to make sure she comes to the city council. I mean, in terms of the education compact meeting, I can't do that. So it's going to take her residents, folks who vote for her, to hold her accountable. I can't make members of city council go to education compact meetings, but I would be wary of any individual who chooses to go out there and say they're pro-education and pro-child uh, in an upcoming election in 2020, ask them about their attendance. Are they showing up on behalf of their constituents? Because I know every representative on the city council has a, has a number of children in Richmond public schools. So budgets truly show what priorities are mm-hmm. i mean that's just their value that's mm-hmm. the budget shows where people put their priorities where they put their values what are you trying to show with the with the budget proposal that you put out what i'm trying to show first off is that we have built budgets in the last decade mark based on disinvestment Feel free to call me cheats. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's, get, let's get this out of the way. Yeah, yeah. You, I can call you Marco. You I've been going back and forth. Yeah, drop you know, your, like, your shoulders uh, a little bit yeah. there. <laughs> Go ahead. You can call me Lavar anytime too. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll just say Stony. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like yeah. with with like a, a little accent of disdain in it. Like Stony says. That's, that's how, how you read the RTD article. Stony stated. That's know. how I read all of it. Facebook, uh, <laughs> Facebook message boards, RTD. And then, like anything I say, I usually write it that way. But, go ahead. <laughs> but, but let's go back. Cheats. Yes. You're, you're, what are you what trying I'm to trying to state in this budget? budget is that for decades plus, we have built budgets based on disinvestment, deferred maintenance, and dishonesty. Right? And let me tell you about dishonesty. We have told residents of the city that we can give you high-quality services 
for less money with less people. And that, that premise is just false. We can't do that. So it's time to rip the Band-Aid off, have the uncomfortable conversations about how you go about delivering those high-quality services. And here's the thing. You begin with public education. There's $37 million new dollars in this budget focused on uh, public education, investing in the classroom with Dr. Mr. Cameron's Dreams for RPS strategic plan, and also those maintenance requests that have been pestering the city of Richmond for years, Richmond Public Schools, right? The folks who were out there for the last decade or so who've been pointing out the the needs and maintenance, uh, the maintenance needs in city schools, uh, or the funds out the folks out there using GoFundMe's, and, and well, we would not need GoFundMe's if we actually made the actual investment with taxpayer dollars. And then, a number of times, uh, you know, you've seen it. You probably on the, on the drive here. You sure. saw a number of potholes in the cities on the city streets. We have a failing city network, a road network. Sixty-five percent of our roads are uh, what you would call a very poor to fair, and the worst roads are in the East End. Now, isn't it interesting that our worst roads also match with uh, they match where our poorest residents live? But it's not surprise. Well, so, but why is that? I mean, you're because of you're the lack the, of investment. But no, you're the one that is able to right direct right, what potholes exact, get filled, right? Well, right. So, well, the, wait, is whoa, that whoa, fair? Whoa, whoa. No, filling potholes is not fixing roads. Right. That's putting no, the bandaid on roads. Right. We we filled fifty thousand potholes in the last two years. Fifty thousand. Mm-hmm. Now, when I go tell my friends who are other mayors from other cities that. I'm proud. I'm boasting about my numbers and pothole, pothole repairs. I, I, I fixed 50,000 potholes. They're looking at me like I got three heads. Like, why are you fixing 50,000 potholes? How much are you paving? That's the problem. We're okay. not paving enough. Uh, here's, the, here's the thing about pot, Like, here's the thing about this street maintenance type thing. And maybe and I, and I don't live in the city. We talked about this. and, and it, That's okay. That, no, this you got could, love for the RV. Yeah, I, I do. I have a lot of love. And it could be just me because I don't have to deal with that per se. But... Like, if you were to take an outside pole, right, it would, at this point, that takes up the majority of your time. It's the two things you've already mentioned, mm-hmm. which is kind of education in RVS and these in this pothole issue. I often think, always, is that it should always be A and 1A should be public safety and RPS, like yeah. education. Yeah. So, I do, I get a little weird when it comes to like oh like trash takeout and potholes leaf collection if i'm worried about like if i'm if i'm truly worried about public public safety and education it leads me to a question that i did want to ask you that doesn't get bought up enough because i do think we take for granted in a sense our the safety and security that richmond kind of faces now in certain parts of richmond mm-hmm. certain parts of richmond are extremely safe and secure other parts of richmond Probably some of the areas that you mentioned in concentration, like heavy concentrations of poverty, are not feeling as safe and secure as, say, Scott's Edition or the fan. That's correct. And so, I just, the last episode, I was able to talk to Commonwealth Attorney Michael Herring. They have actually put out a report or something to that extent in which it almost sounds like an education, like the budding of an education compact for public safety. Is that something that I know you're looking at a new police chief, but is that something overall, like a holistic approach to public safety is that's ever come up or something you thought about or can support? Yeah. Me and um, 
CA Mike Herring have definitely had these conversations about the root causes of crime. Right, exactly. And they're they're, they're multi multifaceted. You know, you know that they're multifaceted. Yeah, sure. And you know, but poverty is at the center of all that, right? And so that's why when people say, "What are you looking for? What are you, what are you looking for in a new police chief?" I'm looking for someone who's who wants to lift people up, right? And we're not gonna lock our you know locking people up is not going to solve all the problems in the city of richmond when it comes to to crime we're going to have to make some serious investments to actually change the course of some of our young people in the city and keep our neighborhoods safe so how does that look like i mean i, I agree with I all I of read, that, when i read the report it said we got to make investments in public uh in, in housing mm-hmm. we can make investments also in public education mm-hmm. mental health services as well Oh, you know what? What I also remind folks: so we can't be, we can't do this alone, though, as a city, right? When I when I compare the city of Richmond to our neighboring counties in Rico and Chesterfield, when I tell you where your tax dollars are going, we have different burdens on city services that Henrico and Chesterfield sure. just do not experience, sure. right? Because we have higher levels of of poverty than they do, right? And, and so, so we need that's more. The, that's almost the false argument of well, why are we paying so much money per kid? In RPS versus Henrico County or Chesterfield or Hanover, they play less per kid. Well, they have obviously less factors to deal with That's in regards exactly to right. living. Like, I do get that, um, and I actually agree with that. I, I don't know why some of that stuff is is so hard to translate. Last question on the budget. It seems not to be able to. It doesn't penetrate the way it should, right? It costs more. <laughs> it costs more if your child is coming from coming from an impoverished situation who are ch- who are dealing with those challenges. If you are living in a place where, uh, living in Western and in Rico, you're not facing the same thing that's going on in Creighton Court. No, but, but let, me, s- let okay. me ask you this because I want to don't get let back. me get me going. No, because I want to get back to the, to the budget and, uh, and and everyone knows in the budget you propose a real estate tax increase. There's two things that I want to talk to you about while while you want to explain this, and I'll ask. <laughs> can I? I'll ask in the most one-sided way humanly possible. Okay, here we go, Mayor Stoney. Why are you trying to place out old black residents from their neighborhoods <laughs> that can't afford to live with your tax increase? One, that's my question. Okay. And then two, how does that current rate that you have and even the cigarette tax increase, how does that rate to actually efficiently running a city? Like, how does that... I've heard a lot about the increase. I haven't actually heard a lot about the levels we're currently at. Yes. So why are you trying to move my grandmother out of Highland Park? <laughs> and, and, and 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 if you're not trying to do that, how does that not compare? trying to do that? Now, how does that compare? How does the tax rate, the one you propose, kind of compare to doing the services that you need? Yes. Um, only reason I'm asking to roll back these pre-recession tax cuts. Uh, you know, we, the the city of Richmond gave residents a, a tax cut on the real estate tax rate uh, in 2006 and in 2008 before the bottom fell out during you know during the uh, the, the the economic downturn, the recession, um, and we are just getting back to the number of dollars collected uh, that we had prior to the recession. That's a good thing. But guess what? In that time, roughly 30,000 new residents moved into the city of Richmond as well. So we're trying to provide the same amount of services at a high quality level with the same amount of money we had, you know, uh, you know, roughly around the recession with more people. Okay. So uh, my plan is to roll back those recession era tax cuts. Uh, and when I look at who's paying those tax cuts, who's paying for the, the real estate tax in the city of Richmond, 4% of the people who pay the real estate tax uh, in the city of Richmond uh, own homes $100,000 or less. All right. And for those uh, individuals, seniors, 
65 and older, or you are disabled and you're living on a fixed income, we have a very, very compassionate tax relief program. All right. So if you bring in between zero and thirty thousand dollars a year uh, and you're 65 years older or uh, you are disabled, we will relieve your whole entire tax bill. But guess what? A number of people don't know that. That's why I'm glad that we're having this conversation. We put an extra $1.9 million in the budget to cover that. You could make up to $60,000 now and be 65 years or older or, 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 or disabled, and we will relieve a part or all of your tax bill. That's good to know. And, and so instead of folks, city right. council people going, no, no, absolutely. To, going door-to-door delivering turkeys, they should be talking about information about how we can relieve your taxes. The voice you are hearing is Richmond Mayor LeVar Stoney. This is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. We've got a couple rapid-fire audience questions that I do want to get to before we get you out of here. Really, okay. really generous, and we appreciate your time. Um, you know what's going to happen. i got to ask, estimated time, what is the ETA on this Coliseum project? We keep hearing about it. I feel like I've heard about this Coliseum project for like most of my life now. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. Yeah. No, in all reality, it's probably been about a year. Yeah, I guess it's been in, uh, since 1971. Yeah, it's, rid- I mean, so. it's ridiculous. But uh, I hear about it all the time. It is wrapped into every conspiracy theory that anything that the administration uh, proposes out. And 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 I understand how I understand it's an important project. It's a massive project. Well, you know, it is potentially one of the biggest economic devo- uh, development redevelopment projects the city right. has ever taken on. That's right. However. Obviously, the plan has not been released. We don't know anything about it. Do you know a timing on it? You know, I've been, uh, I, I've been trying my best to ensure that the city of Richmond and the taxpayers are not going to be on any hook for uh, whether or not the, if the profits or the, the revenues are not generated, right? So that's what I'm working on right now. And also to memorialize what the other side agreed to, right? The affordable housing, uh, the transit center, uh, the jobs, the the minority business enterprise numbers. I need to see that in black and white. And I think we're getting close to actually making that that all come into fruition. However, I'm going to take whatever, how long it takes to dot the I's and cross the T's. Because in the years past and projects past, the city has said we're going to deliver on these things. And those things never come to fruition. So it's going to take whatever, how long it needs. If, if I were to rush this in five or six months, folks would say, oh, see, he already rushed that deal again. See, and the city of Richmond is going to pay for it in the future. I'm going to take as long as necessary to ensure that we get the best deal possible for just, the residents of the city. Just in your mind, do you think that you and like the group and yourself and all that, did you all announce too fast? No, I think the, 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 Richmond, I think the city of Richmond deserved to know where we were. I'm going to answer for you. I think you announced too fast. No. No. Because it's just way we're waiting. Like, all the waiting part of this it allows for that it, vacuum it, to be filled. It was with probably what well, you would say an unnecessary tease. But right. what I wanted the folks to know that we had an agreement in principle that would redevelop a downtown neighborhood, and uh, it's taken longer than I thought it would take. But you know what? Once we are finished with the process of negotiations, we're going to have a deal. I think that we all can get behind. Question from the audience: um, A good friend of mine wrote a question in. Do we have a plan to address Richmond's homeless population? You know what? We we do have a plan. I have a three uh, a threefold plan on 
housing in the city. It involves affordable housing, involves eviction diversion, and involves homelessness. Um, I, we already currently fund a number of nonprofits here in the city uh, in terms of them helping us out, keeping people off the streets, uh, and particularly in cold weather situations, but beyond that, you know, getting them a bed at night. But we got to do a better job um, in finding a long-term solution, but the solution will run out after a while. So uh, I'm working with a number of other nonprofits as well that will have something for the public uh, in the near future. Recently, I want to say last week, I was unable to make it, but Mitch, Mitch Landrew and you did yeah. a uh, did a piece on did a group group event. I can't believe you missed it on monuments. <laughs> it's an issue that's near and dear to my heart. Did you learn anything from Mitch Landrew talking about monuments? Hey, I've been having um, conversations with Mitch Landrew now for probably over a year or so now. Um, I met him at the U.S. Conference of Mayors. Uh, he told me to do the hard things first. That was his first. Uh, recommendation to me um, and we're doing that here we've employed that philosophy here I think uh, in my administration um, what I learned from Mitch though that uh, there are going to be some lonely dark times when you do big things mm -hmm. that change the fabric of any community and uh, in order to in order to actually get to the point where you can do those big things you got to have the community uh, really really behind you and they got to stay behind you as well and so that was something I really took from the uh, the conversation we had. He said that you know what he has a lot of people who doesn't call who, who don't call him back anymore, you know, uh, black and white who don't call him back, who don't um, talk to him anymore, and um, that's just is uh, a good reminder. Lastly, or second to lastly, but lastly, do you think legacy at all? Do you think uh, not necessarily like? immediate legacy but do you think when you're doing this job does legacy ever pay a, play a part in your mind about what your administration would look like you know the one thing i think about and i've been re saying it repetitively you know repeating it uh throughout a number of these town halls is that you know richmond is seen as a top tier destination for people to visit right folks can come and spend their monies on a weekend at a beautiful a great restaurant on our beautiful river uh, in in a, at a brewery, but I want this city to be more than just a top ten place for people to visit. I want this to be a top ten place for people to live, and usually the the quality of life living in a city revolves around schools and whether or not you can raise your children here. And I think that's what the direction that we have to go to. We're going to be a competitive and inclusive place. So it's my hope in my time here as mayor. That, that's the legacy that we leave behind, that we turned a corner from us being recognized as a top 10 place to visit. But wow, Richmond, you can live here too. You can put in roots and you can raise your child here from pre-K to 12. Absolute last question is it's not about you. It's, it's a, a um, what's the word? I'll ask it this way. If Terry McCullough called you right now and said, LeVar, I'm thinking about running for president. Do you tell him run or not run? I tell him to run. Do you, want to, do, you want to elaborate, do you want to elaborate on that? I think uh, there is uh, room for a number of voices in this process, right? Uh, there are room for a number of voices in this process, and it, it ranges from uh, the voices like Beto O'Rourke all the way to uh, someone like a Terry McAuliffe. And so uh, I, I would say run, 
And uh, I think he did a lot of great things for the Commonwealth of Virginia and building a new Virginia economy. And he did it with be, being progressive-minded as well. Sounds like you already you already had this conversation. You, you're already getting the advice here. You know, I don't give political <laughs> advice anymore. That was my old job of mine. Now I'm focused on making the city of Richmond better. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. Mr. Mayor, thank you for your time. Uh, this is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. You can always get in contact with the mayor. Where? What's the best way that city residents and not even non-city residents can get in touch with your office? I know you're active on Twitter. Folks can call the office at 804-646-7970. Uh, we're at richmondgov.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at, at LeVar Stoney. I'm on Instagram at LeVar Stoney as well and on Facebook. And we'll be right back after this. Double up, three or four times, I ain't telling no lies, I just run it up Never let a hard time humble us Double, 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 double up, I ain't telling no lies, I just yeah. I ain't telling no lies, I just double, Five Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. Gigi Broadway is here. Now, let's break this down a little bit for the month of April. I really do enjoy knowing kind of what monthly recognitions they are. We've talked about this. And we've actually selected heroes based off of some of these recognitions. Obviously, we selected Black History Month heroes. We've selected Women's History Month heroes. April, let me just tell you if you didn't know, April is Jazz Appreciation Month, it is National Poetry Month, it is Autism Awareness Month, it is also Sexual Assault Awareness Month, which I do think, just side note, <laughs> every male in society, from the top down, president to whoever, governor to whoever, should really pay close attention to Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Because good lord, yeah. what is happening in the world these days? Um, but we can only select one per episode. Autism Awareness Month, we're going to hit that uh, in two weeks on our next episode because I've got a good friend of mine that I want to bring onto the show to talk about some of the work she's done with Autism Awareness. National Poetry Month, Gigi Broadway, do you have a favorite poet that you would consider your national poet? National Poetry Month hero. I it, I would be doing this man a, a disservice if I didn't mention, and I'm going to take it way back here, but Edgar Allan Poe. Way, back. way, way back. back. Edgar Allan Poe, my favorite, my favorite <laughs> of all times, man. Like when, when I think of poetry and like just growing up, he was it for me, man. That is amazing. I would have never guessed you're a big Edgar Allan Poe fan. Oh, man. He, he, he introduced me to poetry on another level. And do you go, do you visit the Poe Museum in Chaco Bottom? No, I did once. <laughs> <laughs> I visited the bar. And there, um, and there it goes. <laughs> and we're off the rails, ladies and gentlemen. You should go, I, I'm assuming you should go to the Poe Museum. I mean, I've been. How many times you want me to go? I thought you said you didn't go, so you have gone. Yeah, I've gone once. Okay. Did and it's a bar. Um, is it a bar? I've never. So I've never. It's been. like a pole bar too. I think somewhere. I remember. Um, oh, Post Pub. A, yeah, Post Pub. Okay, right down there. Yeah. I've actually been to Post Pub. I've never been to the Pub Museum. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so 
I probably should work on that. Yeah, just once. You got to go once. Okay. Well, if any of the listeners want to visit the Pub Museum with me, send me a note. I've actually never been, uh, and I don't know. I will be honest with you. I do not know very much about Edgar Allan Poe, and I don't know very much about why the Poe Museum is located in Richmond. That should be a great Cheats Movement field trip. It should. Let's we should get work on, on this. Absolutely. Should get some video, some video footage, and make it happen. And then in at the pub. Okay. Oh. We should do this on the air. We'll think about this. Anyone that wants to take a field trip to a <laughs> field trip with us to the Poe Museum to learn about Edgar Allan Poe and National Poetry Month, we will go and then we'll buy you uh, some type of adult beverage afterwards. There you go. There you go. My uh, choice for. National Poetry Month. My favorite poet of all time happens to be Langston Hughes. I knew it. Known as James Mercer Langston Hughes. Just an amazing, an amazing poet, amazing novelist, pay, playwright. I mean, just an amazing, amazing dude. Part of that renaissance in New York City. Uh, man, it's just, he just did so much. I have all of the simple books, like the best of simple and all of those types of, uh, of writing from Langston Hughes. Did a bunch of college papers on Langston Hughes. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was, I, I was really into it. I was really into it. So, I don't know where, I wonder where he's honored. I mean, I mean maybe somewhere in New York. You would think so. But I would love to, that, that I would go to as well. Yeah. So we could go to the Poe Museum <laughs> and we can learn more about Langston. But Langston Hughes is my guy. I uh, I really enjoy reading uh, Langston Hughes' work. I got quite a bit of it in my house as well. So that's my choice. Speaking of New York City, by the time you are hearing this, by the time this airs, I will be in the car with the Cheatham clan, including Cameron, uh, four-year-old extraordinaire, on our way to New York City for his first New York City vacation. He is extremely pumped. Yes. We're excited. We're going to take him to Times Square. We're going to take him on the subway. We're going to take him to the Natural History Museum in, in Central Park. He's got a whole few days lined up in New York City. However, this does beg the question because you know when you talk about toddlers, you talk about vacation, the question always comes up, How? at what age do you go on a family vacation to a place like a New York, like a Disneyland, like what age do you start this family vacation thing? Because, again, we don't know if he's gonna remember. I don't think I remember four years old. Right. So, you 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 have had you you have been through this. What age is a good age to start family vacation? <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna say because we recently just started about a year ago. So I say. <laughs> and how, and- <laughs> How old is the children here? I mean, Michaela's seven, so okay. I think around that age. You okay. know what I mean? Um, yeah, but you definitely want to make sure that they can manage uh, certain things on their own. You know what I mean? Right. Like, they can basically take care of themselves. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but to interpretation of, you know, taking care of themselves. Right. But, Yeah. I think, man, Cam Cam Jam's gonna rock it out though. Cam Jam is very excited about New York City, and we're excited that he's gonna be able to go. For anyone that is listening with young children or even been through this process, you tell me when do you think the right age to start family vacations? 
because now that we're going to New York, I know the next conversation is going to be about Disney something. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to hold out on Disney till at least 10 years old. Right. But you guys let me know what's the right age for a family vacation. What's the right age for a New York City, a Disney, something that we think he'll remember forever. But if he goes too young, he will forget. <laughs> let me know. We'll read right back after this is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Cheats Movement on WRIR. It is Tuesday, April 2nd, and it is time for our favorite segment of the show. We see it or we don't see it. Gigi Broadway, kick us off. All right, so I'm pretty sure everyone has heard by now about the Jesse Smollett verdict and him, his all of his charges, every single one being dismissed. Record sealed. And he's off scot free. He's off scot free. He did have to pay some film money, right? Um, okay, but he's off scot free. Go ahead. Yeah. So you know, if that's bad enough, but if you thought it was over, it is not because if you felt any type of way about that verdict, you are not alone. Because Kim Fox, the state attorney, is getting a lot of heat. A lot. He's she's catching all the smoke, and now it's just like a duel. It's a duel in Chicago. The Fraternal Order of Police versus Reverend Jesse Jackson and uh, some clergy, community activists, and so on. They have dueling rallies, and they are both very adamant in their stance, and I think it is awesome. Do do we see it? I see it. Okay. I I also see it. Uh, I don't know if it's good good for anyone. I don't know if it's good for mankind, but I do I do see it because... All of the things that come into play with the, the particular case, all of the things that come into play with uh, basically, uh, I guess, a district attorney cutting a deal on behalf of the uh, on behalf of the city, right, mm. to drop all the charges without uh, a lot of folks knowing that she was doing it. Um, I mean, sh- it's shady. Come on now. I, it, it is. How it's it's one of those things where, and I hate I hate when people do this. I hate when people say, especially when something is because. The district attorney is an African-American woman. Right. Jesse Smollett is an African-American man. When you bring race into it, I hate when people say, well, you know, this side's been doing it for I don't know how many years. <sighs> and then when this side does it, well, you know, we basically, like, they say, uh, you know, basically white people owe us one. Right. So we got this one with Jesse. Yeah. Or we got this one with, let's even go back, we got this one with OJ. Uh-huh. Or we got this one with something like that. I, obviously, there's a crime that was committed somewhere. Yeah. There was some deception that was committed somewhere. And, you know, I think people should be held accountable for their actions. However, if the city has a pattern of cutting deals, this is this is a deal. Does Jesse Smollett deserve to go to jail? I don't know. I don't know how it stacks up compared to the other stuff that the, no, no, no. I'm just saying, I don't know how it stacks up to the other stuff that, that, you know, that prosecutor dealt. I, I just Come don't know. Now. Wasn't it 16 felon? What was it? 16 felons? It was a lot. In every single one? So you didn't even leave, leave that man with no, one. No, I mean, here's the thing. They copped a plea, right? They copped a plea. They, he, he gave his, he gave his bail, right? Cause they didn't, they pay some type of like a hundred, like he gave whatever the well they said it was hundred thousand dollars or whatever. I don't know how much it was. A little bit of restitution and community service, but come right. to find out, he didn't even pay the restitution and he didn't even really do the real community service. Come on, that's just right. shady. So we want 
I think what we all want is equality, right? We want something that seems like it's equal footing. If this guy wasn't Jesse Smollett from Empire, if it was Mark Cheatham from Hot Park, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a lower income, does the prosecutor cut this deal? Right. Probably not. However, again, I think the important thing for me to understand, and I don't know this, is what is this person's patterns of, you know, prosecutor, uh, what's the word, it's prosecutorial discretion, I guess is, is the way it's said. Yeah. So I just, I, I don't know. Here's the thing. Are people way too up in arms about Jesse Smoke? Is Jesse Smoke? here's the thing, and you're the one that thinks this way. Is Jesse Smollett okay. getting exactly what he wanted? He's getting more attention now than he's ever had his entire life. Yeah, I mean, they say, you know, attention, whether it's good or bad, is attention. So it's the currency of the day. Attention is the currency of the day. It's definitely the new currency. And he can figure out how to manipulate it. So is he getting what he wants? Is this what this is? Maybe not exactly this outcome, but is this what Jesse Smollett? He's a bigger name today than he ever was on I don't know how many seasons of Empire. It depends on his morals, I guess. I mean, if right. he's fine with this stigma following him, but I mean, come on now, get this man one charge at least somewhere, <laughs> a misdemeanor, something. You know what I mean? <laughs> Jeez. So, so Jesse Smollett, we see it. We see the dueling rallies. I think it gets. I think that whole thing got a lot of attention. And I, in the in the here here's the thing that does, I guess in the in the social worky part of me, there are people that are real victims of hate crimes. Right. Every day, yeah. there 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 are people that now you have people like the president of the United States using this as a, as a way to say, you know, people with with you know those hats and stuff don't verbally abuse or physically abuse. Exactly. So he's he's given a lot of escape scapegoats. For, for really serious actions and for that it, I think I'm disappointed that's extremely sad however uh, you know should he go to jail I don't know I need to see that man with at least one charge in the next month ladies and gentlemen ladies and gentlemen we are back it is the cheats movement on WRIR Gigi Broadway is here I am here. It is time to close the show. We opened the show on a pretty somber note when we were talking about the the passing of Nipsey Hussle. We've been playing some Nipsey Hussle music all throughout the show. We also did lose another kind of pillar in hip-hop community, but not as much, not as known, right? Not as widely known as you would have thought. We lost Battle Rapper Tech 9 not to be confused with independent artist Tech 9 but battle rapper in the battle rap community, Tech 9 I am not as familiar with Tech 9 as Gigi Broadway. Who is our battle rap aficionado? Tell us a little bit about Tech 9 what he meant to the battle rap culture, and how, how the whole kind of hip-hop community has been speaking out on this. Man, I mean, on March 25th um, is when he passed, and it was rough. It was rough because, you know, battle rap is full of some very interesting characters but i mean gosh man tech nine was just a good good guy not you know even touching on battle rap but he was a good guy good father um but man was he a pillar in the battle rap community he was um i'd say one of the pioneers you know was very charismatic known for his personality his wit and then he transitioned to being one of the you know best commentators him jay black with champion always there you know giving a hundred percent great you know in-depth wisdom insight 
I mean, it was just a, it was just a sad, sad time and sad time in battle rap community. And definitely just want to, you know, what I'm saying, give him his flowers, big up, and you know, rest in peace for sure. It has definitely been a difficult, difficult uh, couple of days, weeks, week, if you will, in regards to the hip hop community losing Tech Nine and and also losing Nipsey Hustle. So, with that said. You know, we got to keep going, keep our heads up, keep pressing, you know, keep moving on. But I think what you said is important, uh, and you see it a little bit online now. We just got to, you know, we got to recognize the people that we care about while they're here, and not wait till something tragic happens to them, right. and then everybody's wishing them well, uh, wishing her well. But you know, when they're here, you got to really appreciate them as best you can. For sure. That is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. I always want to thank Mayor LeVar Stoney for his time. We want to thank our sponsors, Working Friends. As always, please, please, please check out the podcast. It is on SoundCloud. It is on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes. It is on Overcast. It is on Stitcher. You can listen on WRIR. Email us any questions you have. Follow us on all social media, and we will include as best we can your questions on our interviews. We'll be back next week. You know, next episode with Ask the Cheats Movement, and we'll be doing a bunch of other stuff. So, we're very, very excited about the feedback we've gotten. If you can, go to Apple Podcast and rate the show. We love those five stars. And until next time, Richmond, we see you. Yeah.